Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Monday, November the 9th. 2020 and today's episode is brought to you by built bar go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get 20 percent off your next order today on the podcast i'm going to kick off an ambitious new series where i am going to look at each jersey number worn by a boston bruins player and decide who was the best to wear that particular number i have to come up with a cool name for this series but we're going to begin in the 90s and work our way back. Obviously, some numbers have more players to have worn it than others. 90s will be a nice way to ease into the series and uh, help me figure out how to approach it. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Before I get to that, let me remind you that the podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Majority of you are Apple users, but if you came to the podcast via Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Google, whatever other podcast app you might use, please do hit that subscribe button. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, hopefully enjoy. If you could also toss up a rating and a review, that would be very much appreciated, especially for you Apple listeners. If you are on social media, you can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. We're also up on Instagram at Locked On Boston Ruins. I myself can be found at ENC McLaren on both Twitter and Instagram. Now let's just jump right into this numbers game. Boom. How's that for a title? The numbers game. And like I said, we're going to start backwards and work our way down to number one. There are four Bruins players who have worn numbers in the 90s over the years. The first one is number 92. That was worn by Michael Nylander back in 2004, and then Guillaume Lefebvre back in 2010, who, uh, let's be honest, I did not uh, remember at all. He only played in one game for the Bruins, did not record a point or even a shot, uh, and only attempted one shot in 11 minutes of ice time for the Bruins back in uh, 2010. So Michael Nylander obviously gets the title here. Michael Nylander, of course, was acquired by the Bruins prior to the deadline in 2004. The Bruins actually pulled off a pair of deals with the Washington Capitals prior to the trade deadline that year. For the younger listeners, Michael Nylander, of course, is William Nylander's father, and he was acquired from the Capitals on March 4th for a pair of draft picks, a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder. Both of those turned into guys that I don't recall at all, Patrick McNeil and Francois Bouchard. The day before that, the Bruins had acquired Sergei Gonchar from the Capitals for Shane Morrison, a first-round pick, which became Jeff Schultz, and a second-round pick, which became Mikhail Yunkov. And those picks were 2004. So that year, the Bruins, of course, were loading up for what was hoped to be a pretty long playoff run. They 
later acquired Brad Boys from the San Jose Sharks, as well as Andy Delmore from the Sharks, and a pair of deals that were pulled off on March 9th of that year. The Bruins went into the playoffs in 2004 as the second seed in the Eastern Conference, and they were matched up against the seven seed um, Montreal Canadiens. Now, unfortunately, that was the year that Joe Thornton suffered a devastating rib injury prior to the playoffs, and he was held to scoreless through the seven-game series against the Montreal Canadiens, which the Habs took in Game 7 after a uh, pretty big goaltending duel between Jose Theodore and Andrew Raycroft. Uh, So, yeah, Joe Thornton, rib injury, that led into the lockout, which wiped out the whole next season. Thornton was re-signed, but then traded uh, largely due to his failings in this playoff series, despite having a broken rib. Now, Boston, like I said, acquired Nylander and Gonchar. Nylander in that series, three goals, three assists for six points, second in team scoring behind Sergei Samsonov, who had two goals and five assists for seven points. Sergei Gonchar had one goal, four assists for five points to uh, come in third in team scoring. So Michael Nylander, he was only around for those six playoff games, as well as 15 regular season games in which he recorded 12 points. So it was a great pickup for the Bruins. Number 92, uh, again, one of only two players to wear number 92 for the Boston Bruins, and clearly the best in franchise history to wear that number. If the Bruins had been able to beat the Canadians, then perhaps Nylander would have been able to make more of a name for himself in black and gold. Obviously an exceptional player in NHL history. He was drafted 59th overall in 1991 by the Hartford Whalers. He appeared in uh, 920 NHL games, recording 209 goals, 470 assists for 679 total points. He did not uh, win a Stanley Cup, unfortunately, but he had quite a remarkable international career playing for Sweden, won a silver medal at the World Juniors in 1992, was named the tournament's best forward that year. He won a gold medal at the World Championships in 92 and 2006, silver medal at the World Championships in 93 and 97, and won a bronze medal in 99, 2002, and 2010 when he was still playing uh, for the Swedish national team late in his career. So with all due respect to Guillaume Lefebvre, 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 who uh, was a seventh-round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers in 2000. He only played in 39 NHL games, two goals, four assists. So the clear edge for number 92 goes to Michael Nylander. Before we move on to the other 90s numbers, let's talk for a moment about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there. It comes in 18 amazing flavors and each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. However, lest you think it's an indulgent treat, you should know that it's great for the health conscious person. You can actually lose or maintain weight 
while enjoying this great bar. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. Great if you're on the keto diet. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, and if you use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Visit the website. You can mix and match your flavors, all of which are delicious, and then use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get 20% off your next box of Built Bars. Trust me, they're delicious. They're a great snack to get you through the workday, and they are good for you, which is an added bonus. So please do visit them today and order your next box at 20% off using promo code LOCKEDON. Let's move on and talk about the two other players who have worn numbers in the 90s for the Boston Bruins. The first being Mark Savard, who wore number 91 from 2007 to 2011. Now, that wasn't the first number that Savard wore for the Bruins. He wore number 71 during his first year with the team. We all remember that the Bruins, back on July 1st of 2006, signed both Zdeno Chara and Mark Savard to contracts as unrestricted free agents. Probably the best July 1st in team history. And, you know, it could be argued that Zdeno Chara is the best free agent signing of the salary cap era uh, among all of the NHL teams. Now, it was Chara who signed first, and then Mark Savard signed shortly thereafter. And interim general manager Jeff Gordon said the team was really aggressive out of the gate. It made it easier to sign Savard after Chara signed, and he could see how the team was serious about winning. Gordon described Savard as one of the top playmaking centers in the game at that time. He will fit in well with the skilled players we have on our team and the direction in which we are headed. Mark Savard appeared in, ooh, let's see, 304 games for the Bruins. He got off to a very successful start with the team, recording uh, 96 points in 2006-2007. That's when he was wearing number 71. And then he adopted the number 92 moving forward. He recorded, uh, let's see, 78 points, 88 points. And then, of course, he fell prey to some pretty devastating concussion issues in the 2009-2010 season at the age of 32. He only appeared in 41 games that year and recorded 33 points. And, uh, you know, I've said it on the podcast before, but one of my favorite memories in recent Bruins history is his overtime goal against the Philadelphia Flyers in game one of, you know, the series that they ended up losing in seven games. He was able to play that entire series, but uh, he certainly didn't look like himself. And based on the way he was not able to play much the next season and his deteriorating health that led to the early end to his career, it probably would have been wise for him not to play against the Flyers. Uh, but still looking back at that overtime goal and his ensuing celebration after having that devastating concussion at the hands of Matt Cook earlier in the season uh, really was an amazing moment for sure and and one of my favorite highlights to to watch over and over on YouTube. Uh, again, Mark Savard, his career was cut way too short. He did not play much 
at all the next season. Uh, he only appeared in 25 games in 2010-2011, was not able to suit up in the playoffs for the Bruins when they won the Cup. But altogether, he played in 304 games for Boston and recorded 74 goals, 231 assists for 305 points, so over a point per game as a member of the Boston Bruins. And, oh man, I, I really wish that things had been different for Savard. I wish he could have been uh, a force for the Bruins for the entirety of his contract with the team. And, uh, you know, it really would have been nice if he could have remained healthy. I, I'm thankful that he is feeling better. You know, he was able to become a coach for the St. Louis Blues. And um, I think now, what's he doing now, Mark Savard? Right, back on September 4th, it was announced that he was not going to be back with the Blues, that he was uh, stepping away, will not coach for the 2020-21 season, to be back in Ontario with his family during the pandemic. Um, Blues general manager Doug Armstrong said he wanted to thank Mark for his work with the coaches and players during his time in St. Louis, wished him nothing but the best, and uh, we'll see where he lands next, whether it's in the, the OHL working his way up in the coaching ranks or whether it is, uh, you know, in uh, the NHL. It'd be cool to see him back in Boston for sure. Back on October 16th, he tweeted that it's mind-boggling that the NHL team, especially a Canadian team, doesn't sign UFA and proven 30-goal scorer Mike Hoffman. When goals are tough to come by, if I was a GM, this is a steal. You know what you're getting. And he tagged the Boston Bruins, although he said Boston Bruins NHL instead of NHL Bruins. DeBrusque, Krejci, Hoffman. Uh, so trying to wield a bit of influence there, uh, perhaps in free agency. But number 91, Mark Savard, the only player to wear that number for the Bruins and certainly a key member of the team when they were on the rise. He did get his name on the cup in 2011, and of course we all wish that he could have been on the ice and been a contributing member of the team when they did win the cup, and uh, he could have helped them perhaps win another one in the years after. Uh, so it's a sad story for sure, but we were blessed to have him on the team for that amount of time to be sure. Now, one other player who wore a number in the 90s, and that was Marcus Johansson, who was acquired by the Bruins in 2019 for what was hoped to be a Stanley Cup, uh, successful Stanley Cup run. It was a Stanley Cup run that fell short in uh, the final by one game, as we all remember. Johansson appeared in 10 regular season games for the Bruins. He recorded a goal and two assists in the playoffs, a bit more successful with uh four goals and seven assists for 11 points in 22 games. He really fit in well on the third line uh, with Charlie Coyle, and it would have been great for him to be uh, re-signed. He did end up signing with the Buffalo Sabres and was just recently traded to the Minnesota Wild for Eric Stahl. And uh, yeah, Marcus Johansson was a great little pickup at the deadline for Don Sweeney. Too bad it didn't work out. He didn't get his name on the cup as a member of the Bruins. And again, he, he decided to go sign with the Sabres and is now a member of the Wild. So that is the first little bit of 
our Who Wore It Best series, Numbers Game. Decide which which name is better and let me know on, on Twitter, at Ian C. McLaren or at LO underscore Boston Ruins. What do you like better, the Numbers Game or Who Wore It Best? And again, we're kicking that off by looking at players in the 90s. And those players are Michael Nylander, Mark Savard, and Marcus Johansson. And, uh, you know, shout out to Guillaume Lefebvre, wherever you are today. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. And I mentioned Mike Hoffman, who tops Sportsnet's updated list of the top remaining UFAs of 2020. Emily Sadler writes the following. Hoffman, that Hoffman is still on the market a month into free agency, is one of the more surprising parts of this unpredictable offseason. But just because he hasn't signed anywhere doesn't mean there isn't plenty of interest. With the flat cap forcing teams into a more conservative approach to free agency, high-scoring players like Hoffman, 29 goals in 2019 and 20, 36 the prior season, are the ones who appear to have priced themselves out of many teams' budgets and into a gray area of free agency, forced to wait for interested clubs to find space by moving assets, either via trade, long-term injured reserve, etc., That's not even taking into account the matter of Hoffman exercising patience in order to ensure he's finding the right fit in terms of chemistry and contention. Last month, Hoffman's agent told The Athletic that 13 clubs have shown interest since free agency opened, and at least five or six of those were characterized as serious. He also said he'd be open to signing a one-year deal. If you're going to take a one-year deal, you want to put yourself in a good situation because you're going to be back in the market next year again. In a recent 31 Thoughts, Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman uh, thought that the Montreal Canadiens were interested before signing Tyler Toffoli. Nashville has a bunch of interest, and teams like Carolina, Columbus and, of course, our Boston Bruins are looking for more scoring. I do believe the Bruins are interested in Hoffman and trying to figure out perhaps how to add him while also re-signing Jake DeBrusque or whether they need to trade DeBrusque to make room, which wouldn't really make sense since Hoffman is so advanced in age. Do you want to give up on DeBrusque for potentially only one year of Hoffman? Uh, That continues to be something that the Bruins will need to work out. And I do believe that DeBrusque should be the number one priority. Now, another player that could be on Boston's radar is Ilya Kovalchuk. He's number four on the list. He played great for the Canadians after being bought out and re-signed or signed at a $700,000 price tag. Did not really look great in the playoffs, but, you know, COVID taking some time off, certainly didn't do him any favors. Not really sure if he is on Don Sweeney's radar. I hope Anthony Duclair is. He's number seven on the list. And then our Zdeno Chara is number 12 on the list. And uh, Emily Sadler writes, this one sounds like a situation that will take time as both player and team determine the next step. Both Don Sweeney and Zdeno Chara have said that there's communication on both sides. They're not really rushing to um, sign anything just to see how the rest of the offseason plays out and what room might be left following, hopefully, yeah, DeBrusque's signing or if the Bruins do anything else. Um, You know, 
We've talked about on the podcast how there are guys like uh, Jacobs Borrell, Yerho Vakaninen, who could be ready to step up if this relationship is not renewed. And again, it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Over the weekend, it was announced that Jeopardy host Alec Trebek had uh, passed away at age 80 after a fight with pancreatic cancer. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said, Alex was a passionate fan of our game and a true friend of our league. He always said yes when hockey called. We will miss him and send our condolences to his family and millions of friends and fans. Uh, Trebek most recently was seen at the NHL draft announcing Ottawa's uh, pick of uh, Tim Stutzel. And uh, that was a really cool moment for sure. I guess he will be... Seen hosting Jeopardy through Christmas, uh, and yeah, a great hockey fan and a great uh, person that whether or not you watch Jeopardy, you know who he is, and uh, it's a big loss for for all of us that uh, Alex Trebek passed away. And finally, it looks like the NHL is continuing to target January 1st as a starting point for the next season. Uh, this from... Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, who, according to Pierre Lebrun, said January 1 puck drop remains our objective, but the NHL and the NHLPA have yet to meet on working out those details. Um, So it looks like it will just be a 2021 season for sure at this point, and who knows how many games they'll be able to fit in. Um, And when the playoffs will begin, it, it could all be pushed back again. And, of course, there's a lot of questions about um, fans in the stands and all that kind of stuff. But uh, COVID-19 continues to just wreak havoc on both sides of the border. And, um, yeah, until that's kind of taken care of a little bit better, then uh, it's still very much up in the air at this point. Anyways, as uh, we wrap up here for this Monday episode of Locked on Boston Ruins, I just want to say thank you again to all who take some time to listen. It, it really does mean a lot, and I very much appreciate, um, yeah, just those of you who download and listen on a regular basis, the interactions on, on social media, and um, just, yeah, for this little community that we have created that's growing and uh, I hope can continue to grow even more. Uh, over the off season and and whenever hockey resumes um yeah i hope you're all doing well taking care of yourselves a uh, pop culture recommendation i like to throw out is queen's gambit on netflix if you haven't watched that yet i highly recommend it just a fantastic uh, limited series which i hope will get another season but i'm not sure it ended pretty perfectly i'm also continuing my sons of anarchy watch into season four at this point and uh, really enjoying that. Trying to finish off The Good Place as well as watching some How I Met Your Mother. And uh, yeah, just trying to find some laughs <laughs> where we can these days. So yeah, thanks again for, for all your support. We'll be back on Wednesday with a mailbag episode. So send some questions in. And in the meantime, do take care of yourselves and each other, friends. Talk to you soon. Peace.